0: Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and this is season two episode 24 on your dial today and uh we are back on our sunday routine fellas because we got ball games
1: They're this week tomorrow yeah to so park tomorrow night
0: here we go right Can back at it hello so anyway we we uh we're gonna dive right in because uh, you don't need to listen to us tonight um You listened to us enough, but we appreciate you tuning in. You're going to be blessed here tonight, and I I think really educated, learn a lot, and um, this is a good conversation we're going to have. So uh, we're going to pay a couple bills here. We're going to talk about hometown ticketing, Gipper, and varsity bound, and then we'll dive right in with our guests today. So are you an AD interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? We suggest you take a good look into Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket-buying experience that takes place directly on your website. There's no need to create an account, remember password or download an app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program. And the best part is it doesn't cost your school or athletic department anything to get started. So own your ticketing with Hometown Ticketing, the official ticketing partner of VNN Sports and Beyond the Bench. Visit www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your your school today. That's www.hometownticketing.com. And, Scott, how about a little Gipper love tonight?
1: I'm going to love them up tonight. (laughs) Want your athletic program to stand out on social media? Now you can with Gipper. Using Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to sports media in seconds on any device without needing any design experience. Try Gipper out for free at gogipper.netics
0: And also thank you to Varsity Bound, Varsity Bound HQ for their sponsorship and specifically for developing the app that we're using to check in our student athletes uh, during this COVID uh, pandemic. That's been very handy, very helpful. So thank you to uh, Varsity Bound HQ.
2: All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, we are excited tonight. Kind um, of gave you a preview last week as we wrapped up um, that we we want to jump in the conversation about uh, uh, just about race relations, social change. Um, that's just being. I mean, you you can't turn the TVs on, you can't read the news without just hearing about more conversations and more demonstrations and and more more people saying, Hey, it's time for this to be different. It's time for the discussion to be different in our country. It's time for people to be treated differently in our country. And and we just felt it was time for us to talk about. Our role in this discussion, um, as athletic directors, as coaches, as leaders uh, in athletics, and so excited to have a conversation tonight. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves, but we've got Terrence Hall on uh, tonight. Uh, Terrence is the he's the younger one of the group, um, but he's going to bring us a, a student athlete perspective um, and a younger person perspective on this. Uh, Terrence actually is a graduate of Kennedy High School, where I'm the AD at. Um, went to college here in town and, and co-college is now working here in Cedar Rapids. Um, tremendous young man, tremendous leader in our school. Um, he's one of, I shouldn't say these things, but I would say, but he's one of my faves has come through. It uh, just is the impact and influence he had uh, and that smile you could see coming a mile away down the hallways. Uh, I miss your smile, Terrence in school, but got Terrence all on. And then we got coach Byron Beeman on tonight, came across Byron, um, little over a week ago now or so, maybe a week or so ago, um, got caught on to a uh, a webinar session with Joe Ehrman and the Inside Out Initiative and and a conversation uh, about a racial narrative. And uh, Byron was one of the speakers uh, on that Inside Out Initiative uh, presentation the other day. And I just was, he was just powerful and he was was honest uh, and he was real about what he was talking about and it impressed me. And I knew that he was somebody who could have an important voice um, he's from out East Boston area. Um, so I'll let those guys introduce themselves. Um, coach Beeman wants you to introduce yourself first and then Terrence, when he's done, we'll jump to you. Okay. Be
3: brief. Like I said, I'm coach Beeman. Uh, I coach high school football, I work at a school. I'm a Sankofa director at my school. Uh, Sankofa is a program sort of like a rights of passage program for young men. Um, It's geared towards young men of color because young men of color needed that. However, it's not something that cannot be extended to include all people because it's really just looking at your culture, your history, uh, and things like that, and what has made you who you are in this moment right now. One of the things we say is, I'm a man of the past, living in the present, moving towards the future. So how how has all those things impacted you in your life as you continue to journey through it? Uh, so that's pretty much what I do. And like I said, I'm known as the anonymous nobody. So, I all the rest of that stuff is really not important. If you're really interested and want to find out more, uh, Google. <laughs> that's all you have to do. <laughs> Whatever's there is there.
2: <laughs> all right, Terrence, how about you? Awesome. Well, uh, I'm
4: Terrence Hall. I uh, originally from the southwest side of Chicago. Um, moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, about two or three weeks into my freshman year of high school and went to Kennedy where where Coach Stecker uh, is the AD, yeah? um from Kennedy. Uh, I was a three sport athlete at, at Kennedy and from there graduated and went to co-college here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa as well. Um, played football there all four years also and graduated with my degree in computer science. And now I work um, downtown Cedar Rapids at a company called True North um, which is an insurance and financial strategies brokerage firm. As an IT systems analyst, so predominantly I do you know process automation, um, website development, things like that. And um, just looking forward, looking forward to tonight. Excited
2: about the conversation. Well, thank you to both of you two for joining us. Um, like I said, we usually go into a little fun and games with with the three of us at this point in time and, and, and include our guests, but we got big stuff to get to tonight. Uh, and so we're going to dive right into it um, with our discussion questions and man, wherever this takes us, it takes us. Um, so Scott, you're leading off tonight. Terrence, this is questions is for you. Um, and
1: I just want to say thank you to both, both you and coach Beeman for being here. Uh, appreciate you guys taking the time to speak with us, uh, with, with us from Iowa here. So we appreciate it. Um, thank you. Terrence, yeah. Terrence says you moved from Chicago, you know, and then to the Cedar Rapids and Kennedy High School, and you move right into basically a primarily white culture, what were the most difficult things you had to deal with and overcome? And how was
4: your involvement in sports helpful, or was it hurtful? Great question. Um, so moving, moving to Cedar Rapids from, you know, Inglewood, Chicago, which – in my neighborhood that I'm from, it was predominantly, you know, African American and Latino population. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not to say that I didn't see or or interact with, um, you know, white people often, but that was that was it. Is in my neighborhood on a daily basis, it was predominantly people who looked like me or you know the Latino community. And so, moving moving here um, and going to a uh, you know PWI, I was uncomfortable just because it was something un- unusual to me, you know, I'm, I'm from, you know, an area where I would walk into a locker room and see predominantly. Um, and in this case, that was, that was completely a 360. Um, so I was uncomfortable. Um, the lifestyle is different, you know, uh, grew up in the rough neighborhood of Chicago. So, you know, growing up, there was some things you had to, you had to know, you had to be, you know, aware, a lot more aware of a lot of things going on. Um, around you and moving to Cedar Rapids, it was different, you know, seeing, seeing different things, different ways of life, um, et cetera. I was also just starting high school. So, you know, just transitioning from, um, you know, middle school to, to high school. Now that's, that's a big jump in itself is I had no mm-hmm. idea what to expect, let alone, <laughs> you know, being in a new a new, brand new state, no idea at all. Um, and just, you know, being football wise, the fact that I came in and, and I, you know, started sports right away. I mean, I was nervous coming in. I played football before back in Chicago, but I didn't know what this level, what what the high school level of football would be like, let alone, you know, the team, as I said, it was a PWI. So I had I had never played, you know, on teams that were predominantly, you know, white. Mm-hmm. Ever. Um, and I was also not used to not knowing anybody, not having friends that were on the same team as me. I played with guys since I was kids, since we were kids. And and now, you know, growing up, I had no no friends, knew, knew no one, um, had a couple cousins, but they were either older or younger. So we were not ever in the same room at the same time, right. um, let alone on the same team exactly. And so, you know, football wise, when I came in, you know, and, and that's the beautiful thing about sports is, you know, it, it allows you to make those friends because you guys have a common goal. As a team, in any sports team, you, you write goals up on the board and it's, it's one team uniting to achieve those goals. But to start, you know, coming out, being a, you know, a new kid, predominantly, especially in the Cedar Rapids area, a lot of the kids who were, who were on that team or, or playing at the school at that time have been playing together since they were younger, younger kids, you know, playing middle school ball together, AAU ball together, whatever, whatever that sport may be. Those guys have been together for years. And here I am coming in knowing nobody, um, no, no, there's no film on me, you know, coming from middle school. There was nothing. Nobody knows who I am. And immediately it, it creates that divide kind of, you know, because it's these group of guys who've been together and they're like, you know, this is us. And then you get a newcomer. And and what naturally happens when a newcomer tries to enter your group is it's like, Oh no, no, it's, this is our group. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, there's no, there's no, there's no pinching our, our, our walls here. And so, you know, to start that, that was a, a slight divide because, you know, in sports at all, it's you're, you're going, you're competing for a spot that, Somebody else has, and and that person is is a part of a group that has been together for a long time. So it 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 starts a, a slight divide. And my first couple days, you know, when I started at Kennedy, I the first couple buddies that I made were people who looked like me. You know, African American um, guys who were also on the team, and let alone they they had similar backgrounds. So it came natural. You know, once once we found out, you know, hey, this guy's from Chicago. Um, you know, there was another kid who was also from Chicago, a different area, but same, same background pretty much. And so naturally, you know, they were the first guys to reach out to me, um, you know, ask me if I need help, locker, locker stuff, getting around the school, et cetera. So that was great. Um, but then, you know, like I said, with that divide, when you come in and and there's a new, there's a new team, you know, new guy, you know, it, it creates that divide, but over time, you know, once you work hard, you're going through the same things together. And this is another thing that, you know, sports, sports is good for is you're, you're, you're coming through a time where you're all going through the same struggles. You're all in the heat. You're all getting yelled at. <laughs> you all go through adversity regardless, but as a team, you do it. And so now you share those common bonds, even though we might not know each other's backgrounds at that time. We know that we went through these things together. Nobody else was with us. It was only us and nobody else will understand unless they were with us. Yeah. And so that that's where, you know, you get that family aspect and you you get that that really team camaraderie that brings you together. And that that's what creates that, you know, in our case, that brotherhood where it's like, you know, I'm I'm going to ride for this guy. He's with me. We're we're to get we're in this together, regardless of our differences that we may have. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the thing that was helpful about sports is that, oh, you know, with with time, um, you know, those guys who were once. You know, having this shield up of division, you know, mm-hmm. eventually opened up the wall gates and, and said, you know, hey, he's he's a part of he's a part of us too. And um, so that that part for me was was awesome. It really helped me really fully transition into, you know, my new environment. And that was the first time I felt a sense of some comfort, you know, moving from Chicago to Cedar Rapids.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
2: All right, um, Terrence. Thanks. And, and as I said we brought Terrence on to give us that, that student athlete perspective and his experiences and what he's been through. We got Coach Beeman on to, to to go the other direction, and, and now a coach working with young people in that perspective uh, of this conversation. So, Coach Beeman, um, one of the things I knew um, drew you to coach uh, to Coach Chairman. I know it's why he asked, at least I'm assuming that's why he asked you beyond last week was you had pushed out a video where you were. You were you basically threw the the open invitation out to white coaches saying, "Hey, if you are a white coach trying to coach black players, and you're and you're and that's a struggle, and you need help and you need advice and you need, I, I, I'm an open book, and you want to contact me. I, I, and I just I came across that, so appreciated that. So, um, so that's something you've been talking about quite a bit. So what what do you think some of the barriers are there? What makes it difficult, um, to, to make those connections, and then what are steps we can take to start to overcome that?
3: I think one of the things that that get in the way is people overthink stuff, you know? Like, oh, these kids are black, they're not like me. Or oh, they listen to hip hop music, I don't really like that stuff. Um, you know, I don't really know too much about their culture. Um, and I think another thing is that football in and of itself tries to create a culture, right? As, as Terrence was saying, you know, we, we go through certain things together you know, those dog days in the summer, Yeah, you know, you bond over those, those kinds of things. But the reality is, is that the reason why coaches struggle is because they don't know how to do it. They know how to do football bonding. They don't know how to do real bonding. You know, they don't really know how to bring people together. Like, you know, yeah, that's, that's good that, you know, we all ran through the woods at five o'clock in the morning and, you know, we all had to get up at five and lift weights and all that stuff is cool. But you don't know me. (laughs) You don't know me. You only value me as a football player and as a member of this team. You know, I also bring a cultural background. That's also me. So where where's the space for that to be acknowledged within this football culture? So I think that a lot of times coaches feel like they don't have to do it because they're like, I build a culture. What are you talking about? We have a great football culture here. <laughs> yeah, you probably do. But do you really know your players? Like, do you know? Like, like if you have a, a Mexican player, like, have you ever had any other kind of Mexi- Mexican food other than a taco? Like, have you ever talked to him about why the taco means what it means to Mexican people? There's the, like They don't just eat tacos because they want to eat tacos. There's, like, a cultural reason. You know, that's why the best tacos are in Mexico. So, 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 so it's like, you know, we've had some good tacos because we, of course we have Mexican people in the country and they bring that flavor with them. But imagine what it must taste like there. You know, pulling up on a food truck there. You know, cause I know what it was like pulling up on a food truck in LA. That was like, I have one of the dopest experiences of my life. You know, I was, matter of fact, I was in LA in February, went to see Digable Planets. Uh, (laughs) Diggable Planets, Terrence, you know, it was before your time. There were a hip hop group, uh, that featured, you know, Ladybug, you know, uh, Butterfly and Doodlebug. Okay. So one female MC and two guys. So I went to see them. Um, and, uh, we stopped by a food truck on the way back, you know, looking for food and everything. So I'm sitting on a, on a sidewalk, on a curb in LA at like two o'clock in the morning, killing tacos like I had never eaten them before in my life. Um, so, you know, those kinds of things are like, you have to get into people's culture, man. Like, like, you only feel valued in a space where you know who you are is valued, you know? Not what you bring to the table as a football player, not what you bring to the table as a student, you know, because what happens in that in your culture? And that's horrible, that's like the worst thing ever that you could do, It's like try to separate, like, like all of a sudden I'm not black because I play football for you. No, you see me as a black person too. So no, you can't, you can't see me any other way. When I show up, I am who I am. You can't tell me that you don't see this, you know, because I see that you're white. So you have to see that I'm black. Like let's just stop with the whole, I don't see color. I know what people mean when they say that, but what you mean and what you're saying is two different things. You know, what you're saying is, I don't see color meaning I don't treat people differently because of color. But to say that you don't see color, well, that's why you treat people different, because you see the color. It's like it's almost like a oxymoron, you know, like, OK, <laughs> uh, I don't see color, but you're black. OK, so when I fill out a job application, <laughs> what, am I supposed, what am I supposed to put? Transparent? You know, no, I'm a <laughs> black person. Says so if I put transparent and come in the next day for the interview, they're going to be like, well, I see you. You're black mm-hmm. all the time. You know, <laughs> I just did that so I could get mm-hmm. the interview. Uh, can I, <laughs> so, can I have- but, but I would think that this is one of the things that coaches have to do is acknowledge that. Like when you look out at your team and you see that you have a rainbow coalition of people. It is difficult to get to know people, but you can take baby steps, man. One of the greatest things about food is people like food. So have your players, like if you eat team dinners on Thursday night, you know, if you gather your team together and you're having instead of having pizza all the time or or spaghetti, which is like the traditional thing to do which is whack cuz most people don't know how to cook spaghetti anyway the pasta's <laughs> overcooked and the meatballs aren't right. So, <laughs> so 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 like leave that alone. You know? Talk to the kids' parents. Like, okay, I know you're from Mexico. Cool. Can your mom make some traditional Mexican food for the team? And then have that player talk about why that food is important to them. You're learning about culture just like that. You don't have to come in like with a book and get all heavy with it like No. And that's corny anyway. What people do is a bunch of corny things and they need to stop doing the corny stuff. Like just because you read a book doesn't mean anything unless you apply what you read in the book to your practice. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you just read a really cool book. You know, um, one of the books that I would suggest any white person who is in education, the title, forget the title. Okay. It's for white. Folks who teach in the hood and the rest of y'all too. Meaning, specifically for white people who teach in urban spaces, but the rest of y'all too, means the folks like you all, who are out in these rural areas that still have black people in it, you know, that, oh, well, that book's not written for me. Yes, it is. That's the rest of y'all. And it's also meaning for black people who aren't doing it right. See, this this is the misconception. Don't think this is because you have a black teacher that they're doing it right. Just because they have a black coach doesn't mean that they're doing it right, okay? Don't think that because we have been conditioned in this country to assimilate. So in order for people to get to certain spaces, they had to take on a different kind of identity or persona, if you will. So once they start to do that, they start to lose themselves. So what you think you're getting a real genuine article like black person Well, no, they really wanna be more white than they wanna be black. (laughs) So therefore, you're not getting the genuine article and they're doing a disservice to kids who look like them because they hate what they see. See, self-hatred is a horrible thing. That's why when I come into places and I have my hair cut like this, you know, I might have on a rap group t-shirt like this. (laughs) You know, I got on a blazer and some and some khakis, but you know, this is my uniform. This is how I feel comfortable in, in the space where people are trying to make me feel uncomfortable, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I get comfortable by flipping the script. Okay, here I go. Then when I come into these spaces, people want to discredit me because of how I look, you know. Like, okay, what does he know? He's he's the hip hop guy. What does he? What does he? Know? What does he know about everything? You know. And they assume that the guy in the suit, you know, it's just, it's a nice well, it's a decent suit. You know, I won't even say it's a nice suit. It's wrinkled. <laughs> it's wrinkled. It's got coffee stains on it, and so does not this tie. But you assume that he's more professional than me because he has a suit on. Well, that's not professional to sew up in a wrinkled suit. You know, not not to me anyway. You know, at least my sweatpants are clean. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know that. I mean, hey, we put too much stock in stuff that doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. You know, oftentimes, we'll get into this later, I know, but when you're hiring coaches, you're not asking the right questions. That's why you end up with the people you end up with. So to build those relationships, you can take little small baby steps, man. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like asking kids about the music they listen to. You know, why do you listen to that? You know, okay, cool. What kind of music do you listen to, coach? Like your culture is valuable to us too. I'm not white. So the only thing that I know about white people is from them from watching TV the same way that people learn things about Black people. Like, I don't know why people think that this is altogether different, but yes, have I gone to schools where yes, the whole entire educational system, and I hate to put it to like this, but Mm -hmm. it's a Eurocentric way of teaching, you know? It's devoid of culture at all. It's just fact-based, and we know those facts aren't even facts, you know? (laughs) So it's like, you know, We've been brainwashed and conditioned to believe that all these things are the way that they need to be. And the only way that we're gonna change that is to start doing things different and admitting. First of all, you have to admit that there's a problem. Okay? This is like a person who's on drugs and America's been on drugs for a long time. So we need to go to therapy, okay? But first we have to admit there's a problem. Okay, that's your first step to recovery is admitting that there's a problem. And right now, America is admitting that there's a problem. So we have an opportunity to get inside and treat people, (laughs) if you will, like really treat people and help them get to the next level. Um, And that's that's really all it takes. It's not major stuff. It's like I'm not the smartest guy in the world, you know. I like to make friends group that I'm not the smartest person in the room. I don't want to be the smartest person because if I am, I need to change that room that I'm in, you know. I should never be the smartest person because I don't want to be. Uh, So I surround myself with people who are much smarter than me. I uh, surround myself, I have two two really good friends that are psychologists. uh, And we talk about issues of trauma and how it affects young men of color and everything like that. And we really break it down and get inside of that. You know, I'm on panels about trauma as as it affects young black males in urban spaces. Uh, But we don't really talk about how just like being anywhere in black is traumatic. (laughs) <laughs> um, to be quite honest with you, uh, because you're always treated like the boogeyman. You know, and nobody wants to be the boogeyman every day. Like, you you want one day off. You know, you want at least, at least one day where you can be like, okay, I'm not the boogeyman today. You know, so that's why when, you know, when our president was going after the, you know, other folks for a minute, you know, we had a little reprieve. We could breathe a little bit. Like, it's not us.
2: <laughs> you yeah, know, you but it's not. our
3: other brothers and sisters. But... My God, it's not us. It feels great to not be profiled right now. You know, it feels great to walk through the airport and not be profiled right now. Like they're looking for other people, not us. Cool. You know, and it sucks that it's that way, you know, but that's the way that it is. And I think that people, be yourself. Coaches, teachers, whoever you are. Black Black children don't need you to feel sorry for them. Just educate them.
0: It. Coach, we've seen that really play out here in the state of Iowa in the past week wow. uh, with the University of Iowa. And uh, Coach Kirk Ferentz, uh, if you've seen that, um, you know, and I think that is exactly what you've talked about because they talk about the Iowa culture and the Iowa way. And the culture, obviously, while it – it was centered on the football player.
4: Really?
0: They were missing the person. Yep. And, you know, they had a no social media policy. Kids could not express themselves on social media. That's going to change now, I think. I think there will be changes. But what you spoke about right there is what we're seeing the Iowa program really try to fix and I think really be on the front lines. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Terrence. You've seen it. Um do you think they're on the right track there?
4: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, just to, you know, there's there's a lot of people as you said who are who are stuck in a, a certain way, you know, but but now that we've admitted that there is a problem, um and and you know, these these type of platforms are are a huge solution to it. You know, for for, you know, players to step out and say, "Hey, this is what our culture is and this is what we will stand for." And if you're not standing with us, then don't be a fan of ours. You know things like that. That's huge. That's yeah. a huge statement coming from you know uh, a glorified program. And so yeah, I 100 percent think these these are the first steps. Um, you know, to a, a long road ahead. Long road, but first steps for sure. Yeah.
3: You no, know, the sad part for me uh, is looking at that situation. And okay, you got rid of you got rid of Coach Doyle, Okay, uh, Kirk, you're his best friend you know who this man is, but you kept him in your program. You did those players a disservice for 21 years. You did those players a disservice because you know in your private time as you're sitting on the on the back porch or whatever, smoking a cigar, he has said some unsavory things about people that look like those players, okay? Let's cut the crap. People say these things behind the scenes step down. I mean, to be quite honest with you, forget firing people, be a man about it and step down, get out the way. I know you've been there forever and it's like, Oh, he's been here forever. They've won a whole bunch of games. You know, they've sent a lot of players to the NFL and I know that it's like that, but um, coach Doyle is from Quincy, Massachusetts, correct?
2: I believe so. Yeah. Um,
3: Just do a little, I'm not even going to tell you about Quincy, Massachusetts. You just do the history lesson on your own, Google Quincy, Massachusetts. Quincy is not a place that was kind to black people. And being that he is an older man and from Quincy, that's who he is, okay? That's just who he is. You can't convince me otherwise. Why he's not there anymore, that's a great reason to get rid of him. I agree, but like 21 years, you kept somebody on your staff, doing a whole bunch of damage to young men of color who have come through that program and left like, who am I? Yeah, I'm a Hawkeye, but like, who else am I?
0: Yeah. Hmm. Coach, I just wrote something down that I I just, I paraphrased, but I think it's important. if, If you would tell me if I'm right or wrong, we have to confront the back porch conversations.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You know, that
3: That's why it's so important for us to have white allies. Okay? People aren't gonna say the things that they might say to you in front of me. They're not gonna say that. But what I need people to do is to like, have my back when I'm not there. You know, yeah. I, I don't need fake and phony friendships with people. I tell my people at, at my job this all the time. If you're not prepared to lose family, friends, jobs or whatever, then you're faking this thing. You know, I personally just yesterday, okay, a couple of days ago, I sent a text to the president of my semi-professional league that I played in. Okay. Not only did I play in the league, we were also pretty good friends. Okay. So 20 something years of friendship. Okay. And actually it was another quarterback by the name of Emilio Cologne. And myself we became the two players that came into that league that other players said like okay byron and emilio's playing there this league must be legit because they wouldn't waste their time so i went around the league i mean it's the country playing in all-star games and things like that promoting this league and making sure that that people knew about the league because in the early stages it was in its infancy this new league coming in okay we had to get out and show people that you know what we have people that can play football in I never did that to promote myself. It was always about the league and my team. You know, whatever I do as an individual, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> so with that said, I, you know, eventually got inducted into the Hall of Fame and everything like that. Um, so I wrote a text to the commissioner, president, just telling him, like, you know, you guys aren't taking a stand on this thing. You know, you have a bunch of black and brown coaches, a bunch of black and brown players that help build this help build this league, period. You also, um, the oldest running team in the league is the Boston Bandits. We're the only original team that is still in that league, period. So that has to count for something. And for you to not say anything is disrespectful, and your silence implies consent. Sent them a text. No acknowledgement of the text. Now this is 20 something years of friendship and playing in a league and help putting your league on the map. Matter of fact, help taking the league from just something you were doing. Now it's a job for you. So like I'm responsible for taking you from nothing to something. And you can't do me a solid by just saying, Byron, I got your text. I'm just thinking about a few things. I'll get back to you. Nope, didn't say a word. Okay. so. I'm a man about action and trophies never meant anything to me anyway. I could care less rings, whatever. That doesn't define me as a player. I know what I did. So I wrote to the league that I wanted to be removed from the hall of fame. Period. I don't want to be associated. I want my name associated with anyone who doesn't really have my back as a human being. Forget that. Forget the athletic part. Like that hall of fame plaque, you know, hall of fame jacket, You know, all this stuff like that doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything because you guys don't have integrity. So therefore, I don't want it. You know, and I've checked again periodically to see if my name is still on the website, still listed. It's still there. I want it off. I keep sending the same email back again. I want to be taken off. This is not a joke for me. Like, I'm really not ready to take. Those kind of steps, and what are you doing? We're just repeating the same process. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool for now, but then later on, we're right back to the, to the same things over and over and over again. So I'm going to take a stand and hopefully, not even hopefully, the sad part is, is that I stand alone on this. That's the sad part. You mm-hmm. know, none of my former teammates, none of my former, you know, Hall of Fame members or anything, because that stuff means something to them. That, you know, it means something to the point where, like, well, why would I want to do that? Because it doesn't mean anything. In the scheme of things, first of all, a semi-pro football, who cares? Like, really? Like, dude, you, this is not the NFL. Who cares? And even if it was the NFL, what a statement that would be. Yeah. What a statement that would be if, like, a Hall of Famer came and said, you know what? I want out. Well, why? Because of this, 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 and this. You know? as we all see Roger Goodell's fake promises, like, You won't even say Colin Kaepernick's name. Dude, until you say his name out of your mouth, I don't hear. I don't believe you. It's hush money. Don't. This has happened in the black community way too many times. Give them some money. Give them a a program that they've been asking for and be quiet until the next voting cycle. Then we'll parade through your hood again. You know, but after that we'll act like you're invisible. So The NFL and their hush money, they can take that somewhere else. I don't believe you. You should be coming out and saying, you know what? Colin Kaepernick was right. That's what Roger Goodell's first words out of his mouth should have been. I want to apologize to Colin Kaepernick. You were right and we were wrong. We we want to make every effort to work with you and other people like you to make sure that these changes we're making in the league are exactly what we need to be doing. We are also going to eliminate the Rooney rule, because we ain't using it anyway, and we're just going to hire black coaches who are qualified to do the job. Okay? We don't want the money. The money is cool, but, like, okay, what does that mean? You know, you got to fix things internally, and I know that we're going to get to, like, how we Mm -hmm. can change things as coaches, but exactly these are the things that I'm talking about. If you're not willing to make systemic change or changes within your world We are not going to make any decisions big picture. We're not going to decide if these officers go to jail. We're not going to decide if if police departments actually get reformed or not. But what you can do as athletic directors, coaches, oh, let's look at our school discipline policy. Are the numbers disproportionately African-American and Latino students that are suspended at a much higher rate for the same thing that their white counterparts do? if that's the case you have a problem and you are setting up you are you are participating actively in the school to prison pipeline that everybody goes to conferences and hears about that everybody reads about but everybody doesn't even recognize how they contribute into this problem all these systems are connected together if you fail in one you end up in the other it's all connected if i don't do well in education in the educational system. I'm gonna be in the court system, which means I'm gonna be in the prison system. It's all connected and they know that. They know that only a certain percentage of young people are going to fit into that very narrow space called education. They know that. Hey, and Coach, they make it hard, purpose. Coach, Coach what, do you, what do you
1: think one thing that we could do with the education system, what, I mean, if there's a single change we could make, what would that be? to to, to kind of spark change, or or to take us out of that Eurocentric, you know, education system,
3: um, recognizing that that even white kids have been lied to, mm-hmm. um, and admitting that, and and making sure that the contributions of not just African American people, but of all people, are acknowledged, and so forth, and learned about, and taught in school, mm-hmm. because you received a half of the education just like I did. But the thing that was provided for you was that your education you did receive was about you. (laughs) You know, the difference for me is that the education wasn't about me at all. And now that's why we have these relationships with white people the way that we do, because they don't know who we are. We've never been acknowledged in the same way. Oh, we know about Dr. King, you know? And why does everybody black have to be passive that you know about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you learn about the revolutionary people? Oh, you should be talking Marcus Garvey and Malcolm X just as much as you talk Dr. King. And we don't talk about Medgar Evers enough. He's yeah. He, before Dr. King, forget that. Megar yep. Evers was getting it done in Mississippi by himself. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: You're completely yeah. right. about
4: yeah. Evers. He was... Karen. I I, I agree. I feel the exact same way. And I've, I've had this conversation even before with, uh, you know, some of my buddies is, you know, it, it, it shouldn't just be one month. You know, we, we should be teaching lessons on, you know, black history the entire year. There's, there's so much content to cover. There's so much that does not get covered. Um, and, 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 as coach to coach's point, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a half education because, you know, you're, you're, you're not learning the full, the full story, the full 360. You're only getting, you know, the spotlights here and there of, you know, some powerful movements. Yeah. But you know, those weren't necessarily the start, you know, nor were those the the only, you know, biggest ones even there, there's more bigger than those. And and so I, I completely agree. It's, 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 it should definitely be more and and, and year round. And, and, and it's, you know it's it's a tough conversation but it but it shouldn't it shouldn't be it doesn't have to be uh because it, it's 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 no different you know I, I, I learn all of all of these things but i have one month where i learn about me hmm. one month and once that month's over oh we're done it's it's foreshadowed you know until next year where we learn the exact same content again
0: change the bulletin so, board yeah plug, you know? right and
4: so so there there's there's there has not been a difference there and you know, so that, that, that's, a, that's a point
0: that needs to change. It has to. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Terrence, uh, you've been active um, and very willing to talk to young people about your experiences and give advice as they navigate their journey. Um, what advice would you give to ADs and coaches when it comes to connecting and leading athletes that don't look like they do?
4: Uh, I, you know, well, I, I want to take that even a step further. It's just, you know, with, with teams in general uh, of any sport and kind, you know, to Coach's point earlier, you know, you got to get to know your players. Yeah, you know, you, you know, I, I ran for 250 yards, scored two touchdowns. I'm an agile kid, nice kid, you know, but that's all you see on the surface. That's, that's, that's sports wise. But do you know that I played that way because I lost my best friend yesterday and, and I, I played in his honor? You know that when I had an off game, you know, it's because mentally I'm I'm dealing with some stuff that I don't know how to control or talk about because I've never had a, you know, male figure or something like that in my life. But those are the things that we don't talk about and we don't know. Um, but you do know that, you know, I'm a great athlete. I played well. And when I'm not playing well, you just saw oh, well, he's just off. Well, no, I'm not just off. I'm I'm struggling. I'm hurt. And, and you don't know it. You know, I'm still smiling. You don't see that in school. I'm great but I'm hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm losing a battle. I'm going downhill right now. And you, you may never know because you don't engage in a conversation a little deeper than that with me. You might say, Hey, Terrence, you know, how about, how about you get up early? You know, me and you, let's go get the workout in tomorrow. So we, you know, get you back on track. Oh yeah, that's great. That's not going to stop the struggle, the battle that I'm having in my head. And I'm also, you know, not going to just come out and say it either. Cause you know, we're not built that way you know we're 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 built to to close off you know protect and and not show those type of emotions but we all struggle with them on a daily basis and and you know it leads to a ticking time bomb where a lot of kids don't come back from that a lot of kids go start going downhill and they're downhill from there and you're like well what happened yeah and 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 nobody knows but it could have been a conversation it could have been you know one moment one 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 you know, defining moment or conversation that could have changed the entire outcome or demeanor of of that kid. And so, you know, I I just, I just think we need to do more of, of trying to get that. Now, granted, with, especially with bigger teams in in basketball and football, there's a lot of kids, you know, and granted you, you, you don't have time to, you know, get every kid's, you know, life in depth, you know, right away. But I think to do more activities such as, you know, I can almost guarantee when you come in on a sports team, let's say football because that's what I'm most relevant with. But, you know, we come in, we rewrite those goals on the board. You know, we, we have these fun activities where we go play some laser tagging or some dodgeball, whatever. Great. But how about we have a night where we have a tough discussion, you know? Um, and, and, and and one of those, for example, is, you know, I've been an av- a pretty active member with FCA, so Fellowship for Christian Athletes. Um, and one of the things we do We, we have a night of, and with that you know we take a we take a white piece of paper and we write down you know many we, we have you know as many sheets as you want you know whatever but you write down the things that you struggle with mm-hmm. you write those down you don't have to put your name on anything like that but you put those up on the wall mm-hmm. and then we look at that wall when we're done and we realize how many you know pages are very similar mm-hmm. similar across you know many diverse backgrounds in that same room but we would we would never know in, until we did this this activity on that wall. Same thing with players, you know, to to have a night where where we bring those discussions out. We, we talk about those things that we struggle with. Coaches and, and ADs can provide the structure for a team, but nobody, nobody will, will boost a team and have a team, you know, being a well-oiled machine like the players that's on that team. You know, if I have a teammate who knows me, knows what I'm struggling with, I guarantee in a game, if I'm down, that teammate knows what to say to me. And he knows because he knows what I'm dealing with. He knows what I got going on. So he knows to say this thing over that thing. But if you're somebody who's having that conversation with the player and you don't know what's going on, you can say the right thing. Yeah, you could. But you could also say the wrong thing. And that, that downhill slope is even steeper from there. So I, I think that, you know, just more activities like that that are tough, not sports centric, not, you know, activity based all the time, but literally let's talk, fellas. Let's less sit down. Let's have a discussion on, you know, what are we dealing with? So we know as a team, this is this is our team. This is what we struggle with. And together we go through them. And if you want a well-oiled machine, those are the things you do. Those are the conversations that you have.
2: You. Ken?
3: Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Um, and just to give you guys like a professional sports view of what Terrence was just saying, we look at the Allen Iverson soundbite about practice, right? It's construed all the time. Because people wanted to make Allen Iverson look like this, this other type of a person, okay? He has this reputation in the league already. So let's take the soundbite that fits that narrative, which is so disrespectful,
0: hmm. okay?
3: If you listen to the entire interview for that situation where he starts to go off, and the reason why he went off is because His friend had just been murdered. they just been, trade rumors about him again, swirling around. Um, And they are kicked out of the playoffs in the first round again, third year in a row. And y'all are here talking about practice. You're asking me questions about practice when my friend is murdered. Trade rumors. And we just lost in the playoffs in the first round for the third year in a row and you want to ask me about practice. So of course, he got frustrated. Of course, because as Terrence said, he was dealing with something heavy. And you're asking me about practice. So that's why he kept saying it. Like, we're talking about practice, man. Like, really? Y'all are asking me about practice? And my, do you know what it's like to have your friend shot, murdered? Do you know what that feels like? If you've never had a friend murdered before, no, you don't know what that feels like. You don't know what it feels like to see somebody 15 minutes ago and then somebody telling you, oh, so-and-so just got killed. What, what are you talking about? I just saw him. You yeah, know, he just went around the corner, man. dude. just, you know. And then you have to deal with that. There is no nobody coming to the, the community with mental health services. There's nobody to process this stuff with. And you wonder why kids pick up guns and retaliate? You got to do something with the pain, right or wrong. That's what happens. And it's not that difficult to understand. People don't want to understand. it. That's why it's like, it's easy to dismiss. Well, we're talking about cops killing black people and black people kill black people all the time. Yeah. But look at how you set the situation up. For that to happen. Oh, because here's the simple solution okay and i posted this online too tweeted it out you know i'm a big hip-hop fan number one if you want to learn about black life listen to hip-hop the reason why it's unfiltered and dirty and nasty is because that's where we live it's unfiltered and dirty and nasty that's the situation you put us in but then you don't want us to talk about it realistically you want me to sing about creeks and roses Not that's not where i live around i live around scarred concrete and when that concrete gets hot in the summer Nobody knows what it's like to be in a project building when it's hundred degrees outside. And, that, and, that bad, and those bricks heat up and everything is brick and cement. Everybody's on top of each other. Opportunities are, are not many, you know? That's why people are scratching and clawing at each other all the time. It's not that we don't wanna live like that, but you put us in an environment where we have to survive. It's not about living. It's about surviving, okay? So hip hop, there's clean versions of stuff. <laughs> if if the other stuff is too heavy for you, you can get the clean version. But you know, sometimes you you need to hear the emphasis on certain things. You know, so, so you just got to – that's your gateway into black culture, right there. Well, that your gets
2: gateway. to it. Okay, I'm going to ask this question because it's 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 a it, it's been a struggle, and I'm curious, Terrence, your thoughts on this, and Coach, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Question was what what Canadians and coaches do um, to, to build connections and start to have conversations with students who don't look like them. Um, Coach, I'll go back to one of the things you said when you were on with uh, with the Inside Out initiative. Was uh, you're saying you're white white coaches, white people. It's it's not per- you didn't do something to make me uncomfortable, but you look like people who have made me right. comfortable as as a as a white middle class middle aged. Coach, there are times I look at a group of, of of our black students and and I want to go have a conversation and and I'm I'm nervous because do they see me as somebody who is holding them down, keeping them down? Or I look like people who are how how do we break through that? Um, it's as much as and I'm not I'm not playing the victim here by any means, but I have a I have a real apprehension sometimes of how do I break into that. When I'm not sure how they feel about me.
3: You know what? You can't worry about how they feel. How do you feel?
2: I want to I reach out. I want to connect. Oh,
3: okay. Then that's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. You, you can't worry about what they're thinking about. Because that's going to be your barrier right there. That's going to be your barrier right there. You've already put a fence around yourself. Saying like, I wonder if, you know, what do they think about me? Ah, I tell you what, it doesn't matter what they think about you because if they thought a certain thing about you, once you start talking to them, they're going to start to feel that you're not that person, Mm -hmm. but you might get lumped into that whole group initially because if you're not talking to people, people assume that you're just like the other one. You're just like the other one that doesn't talk to me. You're just like the other person that doesn't speak to me. Listen, when I walk into my school, in the morning. There are white staff that do not talk to me. So if you don't talk to me, I know you have nothing for the child version of me. I'm on the same level you are. And to be quite honest, a few levels above you. I'm just gonna call it what it is. You're not the smartest person in this room right now. You know, you might be more book smart. <laughs> Cause you know, you read a book, you know. Remember, we're we're a little behind on on reading books, you know? We're we're a little little bit behind, you know? Learning how to read a book was death at one point for us. So we're a little behind with reading the books. So we we get it, you know? Everything is in a book. Oh, I read a book. I read a book. I don't give a doggone about the book you read. Who did you talk to today? Forget the book that you read about the black student, because that's only indicative of one individual. That's the problem in our society. We read one Black book and we think that that Black book is applicable to every Black person across the the diaspora, period. Like, oh, I know everything about Black people. No, you don't. First of all, you don't know that we want the same things for our children that you want for yours. A safe place to live and a quality education. If you sit down and talk to most Black parents, that's what they want. Why do you think they move? to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, from Chicago, okay? That move right there is telling you that I want my child to have a different experience, even if that means culturally he gets squashed. That's how valuable the education is, that the education outweighs everything else. My daughter went to a predominantly white Catholic high school here in Massachusetts. And these disrespectful folks putting some weak, like, post on their their website. Um, Excuse me. Do you realize my daughter went to that school? And I know that that's all a bunch of crap. And you're supposed to be a religious high school. You're lying right now. That is so hypocritical. And it's a lie. I sat in rooms with her principal. Her assistant principal, um, the therapist at the school, the school nurse, everybody except the priest. And you know what? I offered myself, I will help you do this if you don't know how to do it. I will come in and speak to a room full of white students. It does not matter if I'm the only person of color in the room because I know how to connect with kids, period. That's the thing. Not allowing that to be a barrier. I was a basketball coach at her middle school. All of my players were white. And I'm not really even a basketball coach. (laughs) But I coach basketball. I know how to coach. You know, I know how to read some fundamental things. I mean, seventh and eighth grade basketball, it's really not that complicated. But it's pretty competitive in the Catholic school league like that. You know, I'm the only black coach. I get penalized for everything. You know, if I look at the ref the wrong way, ready to give me a technical bow. Why? Because I dress different and I don't look like the stereotypical dude that you feel should be coaching the team. I was kicked out of the game one time by asking the referee a question. When can a coach ask a question? I wasn't disrespectful. Uh, Mr. Official, you know, you're missing a lot of calls underneath the board. This is our gym. And you're missing a lot of calls. Technical foul. Okay. All right. Next. Next play to come down, same thing. Technical foul. Okay, now I'm kicked out the gym. The saving grace is the principal was there. And both priests from the parish were there. And they were like, Mr. Beeman, you didn't do anything. I said, I know. It's called being black in America. I understand. I get it. You know. But she did everything that she could do. So I wouldn't have to sit out a game, but nope, the ref made the call. He has to sit out a game or whatever. That's cool. But you want to know what we did the very next game? I didn't sit at the game by myself. The principal and both priests and myself sat on the front row of the game together. Like that meant so much to me. And they probably don't even recognize what they did. That was just in their heart to do. You see that whole, that this that natural thing, they just did it. I didn't ask them to do that. They did it on their own. But we showed a unified front, not only for the rest of the people at that game, but for the players on my team too. And for the fans that supported our team. Like Mr. Beeman didn't do anything wrong because if I did something wrong, I would have been sitting by myself. But we all sat together and that meant so much. But you just gotta go out, just reach out, you know? Like if they're listening to music, hey, what are you listening to? You know, if you have children that listen to the similar music, hey, you know, my children listen to that, too. Like, who's that? You know, why do you listen to him? You know, why is he popular? Why is he this? Why is he that? You know, a lot of our young people these days don't even know about hip hop history, period. You know, they think it started and ended with Drake, you know, but <laughs> but that's not true. There's a whole legacy of hip-hop, and people don't even recognize what hip-hop was even started to do. Mm -hmm. Hip-hop was created to end gang violence in New York City at the time. A bunch of young people got together, not adults, a bunch of teenagers, and said, we wanna stop this gang violence thing, what can we do? Okay, that's why there are four elements of hip-hop. There's emceeing, there's graffiti, is breakdancing and DJing. So you might not be the best rapper, but maybe you dance. You might not be able to dance. Maybe you're good with art. There's still a space for you in hip hop. Then, you know, um, you can DJ, okay? But then there's a fifth element. It's called being a b-boy, just somebody who's in the hip hop culture. That also, that space you can occupy too. So that's the space I occupied. I'm not a rapper, not a break dancer, Never, I didn't have time to de- learn to DJ because I was too busy playing football <laughs> in other sports. That's what I was into. But I'm still a part of the culture because I'm a b-boy. That's it, I listen to hip hop, I talk hip hop, I am hip hop. So that's what it is. But if you wanna journey into the lives of young people, listen to hip hop. There are songs that were created 30 years ago that are more relevant today than when they were recorded. okay? These people aren't stupid people, okay? You don't go from being a high school dropout to a billionaire if you're stupid. Jay-Z by no means is a fool. He's a smart young man who the educational system said, oh, you don't fit into this box. So you're never gonna make it. He has more money than they could ever dream of. From Marcy Projects, you know? Sean P. Diddy Combs, same thing. You know, the Notorious B.I.G., high school dropout. Nas, high school dropout. But people teach hip-hop in colleges based on what a 17-year-old kid wrote. These kids are geniuses, man. And your kids are geniuses, too. You just got to tap into the genius. And it's not always on a football field or a playground or a basketball court. It's not always there. You know, we can't keep overlooking the students who don't play sports, too. Maybe they don't like sports. You know, that's why when Terrence said computer science, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's where the bread is these days. You know, you want to make some dough? Get into programming, you know? Anything in STEM, you know, do something over there because that's where we're going. And if we don't prepare our kids for that, then they miss the boat again. You know, these are the things right here. We have to stop putting ourselves inside a fence. Imagine if I walked into that practice with a bunch of seventh grade kids, seventh and eighth grade kids, and I put a fence around myself. I'm trying to run a basketball trial, but I got a fence around me. I'm black and all you guys are white. So, you know, I'm just here to coach basketball. You know, that's what my comfort zone is. No, what's going on fellas, how y'all doing? All right, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not keeping all of you. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. So like, if your parent thought you were just gonna get that favor, just because they like come to all the school events, and you know, they they, they do the mailings and all that stuff, nah, I mean, we don't do that. Anymore. We're here to try to win some games. So if you don't make the team, you didn't make it because you're not talented enough, not because you're white. Which is, what, which is what people want to say. But if other white kids are beating out other white kids, clearly, it's not because they're white, it's because they're better, that, that's all, you know? We had like two black kids on every year that i coached the team. So maybe one year, none. So, 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 so it's, it's one of those things, we can't be afraid anymore. You know, get outside of your comfort zone. You know what, everybody likes food. What are you eating for lunch? You know, that looks interesting, what is that? Stuff like that, you know? And I'm not asking you to be a jerk. You know, sometimes you need to follow it up with clarifying, you know? I'm not asking you to pry or to be a jerk. I'm like genuinely interested, you know? I see a lot of kids in the cafeteria eating this. You know, I I wanna know, you know? Teach me. Kids wanna teach people. They want to. The kids are a valuable resource. I learn more from my students sometimes than they learn from me. I'm not 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 anymore. Like, I'm not really paying attention to what they're doing like that. So they school me, you know? I'm not into a lot of this new hip hop music. They bring stuff in all the time. Like, Mr. Beeman, check this out. Oh, so-and-so just just, just, just released a song. I'm like, okay, forget class, play it. Let's see what's, Let's see what's going on. I'll get to my lesson. Maybe that is today's lesson. Lil Uzi Bird. okay. Let's talk about Lil Uzi Burke today. You know, scrap what I had, let's talk about Lil Uzi. That's the problem. Here's the problem, there are too many white folks who are so by the book that they can't even get rid of the book. Black kids don't flow like that. They don't walk down the hallway like that. We walk with a little bop in our step, right? We got a little rhythm to how we walk, all those things. So, like, we're we just different. Our, our, our spirits are different. They're just different. And you have to recognize that, and you can't close yourself off to that. You got to enter into that and embrace it, you know? And I'm not saying put together some corny playlist that you play at practice because that's disrespectful. Um, trying to do the kids' latest dances. Nope, don't do that. Either you're just embarrassing yourself, you know? Once you have established relationships, it's not corny. Oh, that's just coach. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That That's just coach. Coach always doing that, you know what I mean? But if no. you just all of a sudden start doing stuff that you didn't normally do, they're like, dude's corny, man. Like, I, I ain't always playing for this corn ball like that. So you have to understand <laughs> where we're coming from and things like that. And always remember the one thing that I said that is probably the most important thing that I said on that on the call with the Inside Out initiative was Black people in America have every reason to hate white people, but we don't. And we struggle to understand why you hate us so much. That's the real struggle for us. We're walking around like, why do these people people hate me so much? We didn't land on the shores of Europe and round you up and bring you here. We didn't take away your culture, your religion, your God, your identity, everything like that. We didn't do that to you. So how dare you have the audacity to hate me? For what? My folks built a country that you benefit from a million times more than I ever will. But you mad at me? Like, seriously. That, my friends, is white privilege right in front of your face. That you can actually blame me and hate me for what? For creating what you brought over here? Everything we learn, we learn from y'all. We're minding our business in Africa, having a grand old time. Nobody asked to come here. So when people say, go back to Africa, that's disrespectful. We never asked to come in the first place. You came and colonized everything. And then when things get heavy, nervous. Well, what if they start to like gain control and they do the same thing to us? This whole thing is based on fear. Our president is in the White House because of fear. Stop being afraid of people. Okay? Stop being afraid of people. We do not hate white people. Because if we did, it would have been a revolt a long time ago. Trust me. There's been plenty of opportunities to get ours if that's the way we wanted to do it. But that's not how we want to do it. We want to do it the right way. We want white folks to admit that they've done wrong to Black people in this country, and then do right to fix it. Plain and simple. That's it in a nutshell.
4: And to that point, too, Aaron, to your question, I, I, you know, I'd say, you know, the longer you wait, you know, the more you get grouped into that, that, that group of, well, they don't really care. You know, they don't really care. And then, too, you know, if, if you come in and, and you know, just as, as Coach said, you know, reaching out, you know, talking to us, you know, if you come in and you just say, hey, how's your day going? Well, that's a basic question. I'm automatically, without a doubt, without a blink of an eye, going to say, good. It's all yeah. right. It's okay. Yep. Because that's, that's a basic question to me. But, but then when, you know, when you, when you dig in a little bit, you know, you start mixing up the salad, then, then we got some things to talk about. And, and right off the back, it might not go the way you expect it. You know, right yeah. off the back, it might not be, you know, arm, arms out wide welcoming, you know, especially not in a time like this. But, but if you stay and you keep trying, that's what lets me know that you, you you mean it, you, you know? know, but if you do it one time and it doesn't go the way that you want and you back out and you don't do it again, or you do it twice and you back out and you don't do it again, then I, I, I feel like that it was fake. So then I was right to just group you that way. But if you continue to, to push on me, you continue to say, hey, hey, I'm not going anywhere. You know, you might, you might be upset with me today. You might not like me today, whatever. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still going to ask you. I still want to know. I still, you know, care. And that's going to that's gonna make me say, all right, you know, that's just coach. That's just coach. That's, that's, that's just Aaron. You know, that's, that's, that's who he is. He cares. He makes me feel that way because he didn't give up on me. You know, a lot, a lot of instances it's, it's someone has given up. Someone has, you know, grouped and, and, and failed to, you know, provide that, that comfort somewhat. So, you know, if, if you just give up, you know, even when it's hard, you're going to be grouped as, you don't really care. And I knew you didn't care in the first place, which is why I didn't come out with open arms in the beginning. Right. But when you stay and you let me know that you're here to stay, I'm, I'm going to be open arms. My friends are going to be open arms, and you know I'm going to continue to say, when they re- reflect and say, well, who's this person who who you know stood out to you in your journey here, I'm, I'm going to say Aaron. Why? He was there for me. Don't care what else I did, don't care that I was good at sports, don't care about this, don't care about that, he was there for me. When I felt like I had nobody? He came up to me and it started with a conversation where he asked me, you know, what I was getting for lunch. And I said, I don't even know. But, you know, the day after that, he came back and he asked me again. And we started talking about this and that led to this. And then, you know what? Every day we had a new conversation about something that was tough. Well, we had a new conversation about, you know, what some he, him or me or whatever. And, and those are the things that stick. Those are the things that make make kids say, you know, well, I had a great day because even though I went through all this bad stuff, I got all this bad news, you know, this happened there, this happened there, you know, I got a chance, an opportunity to sit down with someone who I feel like genuinely cares and talk to them about it. And because of that, I made it through the day, through tomorrow. But without that, it's 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 going to just continue to be that downhill slope or, or grouping as, as far as, you know, don't come talk to us because you don't really care. So,
3: you know, and it's important to say that too. Like, you know, okay, cool. I'm not going nowhere. Like Terrence said, like, like, hey, man, you know, one of these days you're gonna talk to me. And if you say ask somebody how their day is, and we know as as educators, okay, we're gonna get the generic answer. I'm good. Okay, well, what's good about it? You? <laughs> you know. I have, I have to dig and pry with my students all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how you doing? I'm good. Okay. What do you mean by that? What What, what do you mean you're good? Good how? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Good how? Do you feel good? Is everything good at home? Uh, is everything good in your life? You know, you're on top of your schoolwork. Are you good in that area? Are you good mentally? You know, are you, because you can't educate a preoccupied mind. You know, you just can't. If I'm thinking about survival and you're thinking about, you know, chemistry, that's really not gonna um, register for me right now. It's like, I gotta make it home. And if, when the bell rings, I'm thinking about what path I need to take home to avoid all the foolishness that might be in my community. You know, my saying about at the end of the day and not like, you know, miss so-and-so's math assignment, you know, and if miss so-and-so keep asking me about that math assignment without asking me about me, that's when kids start cursing teachers out. That's when kids start, start acting outside of themselves because you're not acknowledging me as a person. Everything else is more important all the time. You know, uh, guys, um, come on, come on. You know, you gotta get to your do now. Um, forget the do now. How's everybody doing today? There's a lot going on in the world, how you doing? You know, we'll get to the do now. Matter of fact, we ain't even doing a do now today. Just scrap it, we're good. You know, as a matter of fact, we ain't even gonna do the lesson today. Cause there's, there's too many things going on in the world that I know you're thinking about for me to be trying to pour my lesson plan into you because I made this lesson plan. It took me three hours to put together my lesson plan. So you're gonna learn my stuff today. <laughs> and that's why you got cursed out and slapped. Yeah. Does nobody care about your lesson plan? Nobody cares about how long it took for you to get your lesson plan. Like my mother just died last night. How about asking me how I'm doing first? Be grateful that I'm even here knowing that my mother died last night. Announcement for you to actually give a dog on about me, because if you actually cared every single day before you start any any assignment, anything. All right, folks, you know, have some music playing in your classroom, number one. Like, do something that kids wanna wanna hear, like make them want to come to your class. Oh, you know, I can't wait. Oh, fifth period. Oh, I can't be late for Mr. So-and-so's class. You know, he be playing that good music. (laughs) Okay, that's it. And you know what? The fact that they're actually motivated to get to class to hear good music. Now, once you got them listening to good music, guess what they're going to listen to? They're going to listen to a good lesson plan from you because you created an atmosphere and an environment where they feel welcome. Number one, you know, you're not standing at the door counting down the time, like trying to set them up. Like we get that all the time. Like we're tired of the setup. Like, okay, I might be a couple of minutes late for class, but like, is it a crime? Why do I need to go to the principal's office? Why can't you just open the door and let me in? And then we talk about it, you know what I mean? Why can't we just have a conversation like, yeah, you know, you know, getting from the other side of the building to over here, I'm a pretty popular guy. People talk to me on the way, sorry, you know what I mean? And you got football players and basketball players and popular people in the building, you know, so you're trying your best to get there. And then if you have a little girlfriend in high school, you already know you are late for class. You already know that. Well, why do you have to leave so soon? Because I got a class on the other side of the campus right now. Your class is right here. You know, and if I don't get to class, Miss So-and-so is going to send me to the office, and then guess what they're going to do? Well, I don't think John should play in the game this week. You know, yep. he was waiting for class. Yep. Now you want to penalize me for something very, very minor because you hate the fact that I'm popular. You hate the fact that people like me more than they like you. Let's just call it what it is. That's what happens.
0: Why and we hide problem? behind it and call it discipline.
3: Exactly. Why do they like so-and-so so much? And if you're the teacher that everybody likes, you know they talking about you in the teacher's room. Well, well what is he doing? Well, he must be doing something special. Do you think he has those kids selling drugs for him? <laughs> you know, th- that's the kind of stuff people <laughs> say. You know, because why do they like his class so much and not mine? Because you're a jerk. and I me, mean, he's cool. But they might see, they might think that they're cooler than you. You know, so they're like, oh, well, why do the kids like him and they don't like me? I listen to hip hop. Yeah, because they know you're phony. That's why. No matter what you're listening to. Like, if you ain't really down with us, we know that. We already know. We can read you a mile away. You don't like me, okay? So don't pretend to. That's the problem in school. Schools, too, get sick of people pretending to like them. There has to be a genuine love there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. When I walk down the hallway, I tell my kids in front of teachers, and you know you're not supposed to say you love students because <gasps> that's politically not correct. People could misconstrue what you're saying. I call the young ladies in my building, sweetheart. Yes, little mama, you do your thing. You know, I see you. I see you. You know. They get a the new hairstyle. Okay. I see. I see the braids. The braids are working for you. Okay. I see what you got going on. You know how long did that take you to get done. Oh, Mr. Beeman, oh my God. I had to sit there like four or five hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You know how it is to get that hair done. You know, things like that. Those are the kind of conversations that you have in passing with kids that mean everything. Oh, They get new sneakers. Oh my God, look at those shoes, man. Like the dudes in my class, we talk about sneakers all the time. They always coming in with some new, I'm like, how much did you pay for those? Oh, Mr. Demon, you know, these are those Yeezys, man. You know,
0: they're like $400. They're like
3: I was like, you're a dummy. Like who pay, who pays $400 for shoes? And then they're like, no, it's a whole thing. Like there's a whole business behind it. Like, I I, I refurbish shoes, I, I sell shoes, and I'm like, okay, tell me about that, you know? Then they got me looking at their website, they're bringing in products that they do, you know, stuff like that. Mr. Beeman, I, I, I know we got class, but like, I really gotta get these shoes done, because like, he's meeting me next period. Like, okay, cool, take 15 minutes to go do your thing. I'm flexible as an instructor. I'm not rigid and stiff. That's what you can't be all the time. I know what the state standards say that you have to have this talk by this point in the year, and you gotta have this talk. And then, and then, and then people get all nervous and get all uptight because they're like, oh my God, we spent one day on doing nothing. Wow, one day. Just one day. You know, you have 179 more of those days to get that done. Matter of fact, you can even double up on a lesson. How's that? It's it's like you can do these things. People just don't want to because they're lazy, and the system has dictated to them that they don't have to. That's where ads come in. We're on the front line when you're sitting with principals, and you and you know that stuff's not right. Hey, listen, you know I, I think we need to take a look at this stuff. You know something's not quite right here. You know we need to take a look at what we're doing. Like overall, we just need to like. What does our code of discipline look like? Is it a punitive system? Is it a system that when students come back to school, it's the same old, same old? There's no programming in place to correct or change the behavior, to prevent it from happening again? We're just suspending kids. That's all, you know? Oftentimes, it's a it's a gift and a curse, but at the same time, special education is the only space where people have to make sure that those things are being followed to the letter because after 3 days of suspension you can all, you only get 10 so after 3 days oh we need to have a manifestation determination to see if it's a, if it's the child's disability or not wow imagine if we did that for other students too because a lot of kids it's not diagnosed yet <laughs> But if you are black and in America, oh, you, you, got, you got some trauma in your life. Oh yeah. And if you're not addressing that stuff, that's why it manifested the way it does. That's why Miss So-and-so get cursed out every period. Because she's always coming off the wrong way, the kids that she knows nothing about, but acting like she does. And then hides behind the fact that, oh, he disrespected me. Aren't you gonna do something? Aren't you gonna do something? I'm a white woman. Aren't you going to save me from the black kid? That's what happens, fellas. You know it's what happens. That's why we got to fix this stuff. Mm. We have to fix it. You know how many white teachers cry in my building every day?
0: <laughs> so and so, so.
3: And what does the administration do? Run and protect that person. Did you find out what she said to him to make him say that? Oh, if this is the first time that that child has said something out of pocket or out of character, but we're suspending him, let's talk to him. You know, this is, we know this is not your normal, oh, because everybody listened to what Miss So-and-so said. Because Miss So-and-so is white and a woman, and in a lot of spaces, white men feel like they have to protect white women from black men. There's a lot of deep-rooted stuff here that people really got to deal with and really speak truth to and be honest about. If you're not honest about it, it's not going to change. Okay, and I'm not saying that anybody on this call is like that or whatever, but we know there are people like this in the world that exist. You know, so when I'm no, speaking, I'm not speaking about you all specifically because clearly no, you're in a different yeah. space, or I wouldn't be here talking to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: it's, it's no, it's it's in our world, and we and we've got to address it. We've got we've got to take it on. Um. So, all right. I knew I put too many questions on this script, knowing the way this was going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Like, cool, cool thing is, it's
3: been a good flow, though, Coach. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's, um, like, yeah. it's like we're hitting all the bases. We're touching all the bases. You know, it's like a grand slam right now. You know, like the ball's out the hey. park. We are going to just round the bases because we have to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we
2: got good. We got good flow going out think You say, you know, I'm that white guy. I follow the rules. I follow the, rules. <laughs> I can't get rid of the book. You know the game plan. We have to stick to the game plan. Right. We we never go for it
3: on fourth down.
2: Oh man! I know
3: man. it's only an inch, but we never go for it on fourth. But puntie, puntie. You said something that
1: that I really think you said. You know, oh, a football coach or a basketball coach, they got big teams, and you know they don't have time to always make relationships with every single kid. Yep. But what I feel as an AD, and whether you know, I listen to Coach Beam, I listen to you, I listen to uh, 3D coaching or inside-out coaching, we have to make time for each single kid. We have to. It's. I, I'd rather – I've been doing this a long time now, but I coach college football. I coach high school football. I coach high school sports. We have to do a better job of making that relationship with that kid because it takes away a lot of these issues we're having. And I don't care if the kid's white, black, Hispanic, Asian. If we do that, if we go take care of our kids and make sure our kids are taken care of, a lot of these things get taken care of. Um, so I don't think we have, a, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to do this in order to make this better An uh, education system. We need to do it to make athletics better. We need it to, to take care of issues like this where we have social injustice or we have kids that are just uncomfortable, that make us uncomfortable, we have to do that. It's okay to be uncomfortable. One of the things I've learned is that in my career, I've known Todd and Aaron, our whole careers have been about being uncomfortable. And so just the fact that I'm glad that we're having this discussion, you know, and, and we talk about the uncomfortable, but I don't feel uncomfortable right. with this conversation at all. I mean, it's it's things I've seen when I was at, in Seattle, when I was in Minneapolis, now I see it in Iowa. There's nothing there that makes me feel uncomfortable because at the end of the day, I want to treat all my kids the way I would want my kids treated, just like Coach Beeman wants his daughter treated. Terrence, when you have kids, you want your kids treated. As, you want your kids to be treated the, the right way. We want to take care of our kids if they're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, I don't care what they are. We need to take care of our kids and make sure that they're okay. And that at the end of the day is getting to know them at whatever level they're at and knowing, you know, Hey, you know, mom just lost her job. Dad lost his job. Uh, Brother and sister is sick. That's part of what we need to do to
4: make sure that we have good programs is to have good relationships. Coach, coach, coach Beeman hit this earlier too, is just that, uh, you know, we want you to care about us, you know, as students, as players, but but we care about you too, you know. And, and I, I remember, you know, even even going through high school, you know, our basketball coach, you know, he had he had the entire team over to his house one time for for a cookout or whatnot. But you know, we you know, we won some championships, we did this, we did that. But we still, when we get back together as a group, we talk about that day, you know, at coach's house. You know, we was were around coach, his kids. Is that Coach Fontana? Together. What's up? Is that Coach Fontana? No, I wasn't with Fontana. I was okay. with John. Okay. Uh, okay. But but you know, you know, we, we were there with his kids, his, you know, his daily family, his his everything, his his everyday life. And you know, to integrate us within there as he's integrating into our lives and having these conversations, you know, one-on-one. We you know, we're 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 adults now and we see his kids who were, you know, little then and, and now going into their teen years and and you know, we still see them, and it's a big ball of joy of you know what's up how you doing I'm watching you they're still watching us you know those those are that to to have a successful program to make students be successful in the classroom you know it's it's those type of relationships you have to build on you know trust you know I know I know that you care for me I know about I know about you too I don't need to know everything but I know I know the basis of, of what you're going through too you know if, if I know that you know your son or your daughter was sick today you know, and you don't know, you don't know what's going on with them. I, I know you're having a, an off day too. And I'm you know, it's okay. I get it. I'm, I'm here to listen, whatever you want to do. We, you know, if, if the lesson's different today because of that, I'm good with that. Whatever. You know, but then I also understand, you know, if we had to get on the line because we, we punched the line that aggravated you, well, that's because we, you know, we know now that, you know, you were you were struggling with some things and we we hit the wrong button, you know, but, but we get it because we have those conversations conversation yep. that we talk about I, I i agree that's you know that's that's what it takes is, is building that relationship and you know being comfortable with the uncomfortable it, it's gonna be but you know once you start then it just becomes like you said it becomes comfortable because you've been doing it
3: yep. you know it's wild sometimes um you know when i watch you know coaches are always you know we're always trying to find, like, that coach who's been winning and, you know, try to model our program after him and all this stuff like that. People listen to Nick Saban talk all the time, right? Nick Saban has his players over to his house with his wife and his family, okay? All the time. Pete Carroll did similar. You know, all these people that we talk about that have this this culture, but people want to talk to Nick Saban because he wins. They don't want to talk to Nick Saban about how you build relationships with with players of color. Wanna know how Nick Saban builds relationships with players of color? Number one, you can have something to offer, number one, which is an opportunity and a free education, okay? Number two, he's himself all the time, all the time. He's not, he's not different with this guy than he is with that guy. He treats everybody fairly. Like, okay, either you're showing up and doing the job according to the way our program is set up, or you're not. You know, when you're playing quarterback and you're black and you're playing quarterback at the University of Alabama, that means that that coach does not care about all that. Okay? If you are Polynesian and playing quarterback in Alabama, at the University of Alabama, you know, clearly he's a different guy, you know? He's a different kind of a guy, he gets it, Mm -hmm. okay? So coaches don't need to talk to Nick Saban about, you know, offensive or defensive philosophy. What is your philosophy of building relationships with your players who don't look like you? If Nick Saban came to a clinic, that would not be the question that's asked, and you know it wouldn't be, because nobody cares. That's, that's why I said what I said in the video. Mm-hmm. And I go to coaching clinics. I see the people, you know, you got the guys who, you know, decked out in their school stuff because they just want a state championship and they want everybody to see that. You know, like, dude, I don't care that you want a state championship. Wanna know why? Because you have talent. Put people in positions. You didn't coach the team. You have superior talent and you know it and I know it. Like you didn't do anything special. Come to where I am in the hood, coaching a team where when I walked into the facility there was ten football helmets and seventeen pairs of shoulder pads, and nobody knew where a football was. Do that, and then turn all that around in eight years, and you know what? Oh, you play against. Oh, you play in the Burke. Oh, we don't even know what uniform they're gonna show up in today. We went from nothing to something to having more than everybody else. Why? Because uh, you apply your skills. I worked in a nonprofit area. Everything is based on grants. Uh, I know how to grant right. Uh, Let me use that skill to get some money and some equipment into this program. Let me use this skill that I acquired somewhere else and apply it to my current situation. And I'm not lying, we need stuff. I'm not, we need it. We don't have it, okay? We went from one kind of uniform, you know, one pair of pants, two jerseys kind of thing my first year to being able to make nine different uniform combinations in a matter of one season, okay? And then we had a a uniform that we only wore when we played on Thanksgiving. So we had 10 situations that we could put on. We went from that, from 10 pairs of shoulder pads, no uniforms, (laughs) none of that, to being the top-notch team. We had other teams that have, were more, you know, established than we are. Man, how y'all doing it? Oh, B, can, can you help me write this grant? Can you? Oh, now you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you want to know. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so so a minute ago, you know, oh, you didn't care about any of that stuff, but now you want to know how to do it because you see the value in it now. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now we went from being a program that nobody cared about. You want to know where we played our last game of the season? When my last year coaching, we played at Fenway Park. Oh, no teams from the city had played at Fenway yet. They had done this series, but it was all suburban teams all the time. And oh, they picked the park. So you know, everybody in the city was mad, like, we're a we're better team than them. Yeah, fact, you do have a better team, but you aren't a better team. You're a better football team, but you're not a better team. You know, <laughs> you know you're just not, you know? so. The kid, things my kids got from me where well, they got life lessons from somebody that they knew genuinely cared about them. You know, I told them every practice before we started practice. We talk about what's practice right now. I need to make sure everybody's mind is in the right place before we get started. Then we would do what is called libations. We would do a libation and talk about the things that we're thankful for and paying honor and tribute to people. Just to get us in the right frame of mind because there's so many things that happen in urban America to distract my players, I needed them with me, knowing that I'm on the same team with them all of the time. They needed to learn how to be grateful for the opportunities that they had, as minimal as that might be. Be grateful for that, you know? Your parents, your grandparents didn't leave Haiti, they didn't leave Jamaica, they didn't leave the Dominican Republic for you to come here and not take advantage of everything that America has to offer. And when you come to school and you're acting a fool, getting suspended, Doing things like that, you're disrespecting your family's legacy, plain and simple. That's what you're doing. But nobody else in the school sees it that way except me because I understand what a cultural identity means to people. I understand what that means because I grew up in America afraid of being who I was. Afraid of like, you wanted to be almost invisible because of how people made you feel like like you were the pariah or something like that, you know? So you want to just disappear into the fabric, you do. You just want to be like, you know what? And then we have idiots like O.J. Simpson, who I'm not black. I'm O.J. What does that mean? You know? And for the record, for everybody, uh, black folks know O.J. killed his wife, too. Okay? (laughs) I just want you all to know what O.J. wasn't really down with us. Okay? He got Mm -hmm. a pass on that one because Johnny Cochran was doing everything he could to get him off. We know Mm -hmm. he did it. You know, we were just happy that for once, we got a little bit of justice. You know, as far, as far as we felt about it, we know it was wrong. It was wrong to feel that way. But you know what? When you beat up Rodney King and say it didn't happen and we saw it happen, that's why we were happy that, that OJ got off. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. We know he did it. But it's like, oh, finally, we got some justice. Because what did OJ do? He ran right back to the same community that he that he, that he ran to before that. You know, I'm not black, I'm O.J. Okay. All right, O.J. You know, mm. you ain't nothing now. <laughs> You're a criminal is what you are. You know? So, it's what it is, man. But I need people to know that that the black community we don't have any real issues with white people. We just wonder why you hate us so much. Coach, black,
1: I, don't, I, Coach I don't hate you.
3: I know, I know, but I'm, but I'm saying I'm, I'm speaking for, for the for the for the well, people I know, I know. for the people that 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 are voiceless, the people that that can't say the things that I say, you know, yeah. because they don't feel like they're empowered enough. But you know what? If somebody doesn't like you, what does it matter if you say something that they don't like? Mm-hmm. What do you have to lose? You don't like me anyway. <laughs> so, so like, so like, so if I sit here and I do everything the way you want me to do it, you still hate me.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I might as well do it in a way that's comfortable for me, so at least you know exactly where I'm coming from. I don't uh-huh. think that it's fair to a white person to not know who they're dealing with when they're dealing with me. Mm-hmm. Just know that I'm good with you until proven otherwise. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's fair. Right. It's totally fair. Until, until you show me something that I shouldn't be all right, I have no problem with you. You know, I understand that it's not you, that it was your ancestors that did all these things. You know, okay, I understand it's not you. That's why it's like, it's cool, it's all love. Until you do something where it's not all love. Like finding out from my commissioner from my league, I thought it was all love. I found out otherwise. Take my name off the list. I don't want to represent, my name can't be there. Like when you Google me, you're gonna see New England Football League Hall of Fame. I don't want that coming up when you look for me. Because why? That situation, that organization lacks integrity and I want nothing to do with it, period. I want nothing to do with any school that I might work in or work with who doesn't have integrity. Plain and simple, you know? And here's the thing. I've been broke more than I've had money. So, like, leaving a job is nothing to me. Bye. I'm comfortable being broke. I know what it's like to be broke. So, like, I'm cool in that space. (laughs) It's like, okay, Uh, I'm familiar with this. I don't like it, per se, but, okay, I'll work it out. (laughs) You know? Well, you know, what about your job? (gasps) <gasps> and,
2: <laughs> yeah. Terrence, I saw you nodding on that when Coach was talking about I'm 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 cool until you show me something different. I I saw that look on your face. I figured you got something to say there.
4: Yeah, you know, I it's just you know he hit the nail right on the head. Is you know I walk in like you know when we first met, Aaron. You know I. I had nothing against you, you know, like I, like you said, we, we were cool unless you showed me something different. And, you know, thankfully, you know, we've, we've, we've always been, been pretty tight and and it's, it's been a great journey, but, but that's exactly it is we don't come into it with the the problem. You know, we don't come into it with a a hatred, um, you know, unless somebody does something. It's just like, you know, kids, kids is a great example. Kids love, love each other until they're they do something that, you know they don't like. Then they're like, "No, I don't. I don't want to go over there anymore. I don't want to go play with these kids anymore because they do this, they do that." You know, and 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 that's just it. Is we're all good unless you show me that we're not. You know, if, if you got a problem with me, you let me know. Count okay, back how we ain't cool no more. But it's, other than that, what's up, man? We we family. It's all love. <laughs> Absolutely. All love.
3: You know, I was a drama major in college. I mean, you probably figured that out, but. uh um, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which wasn't the popular thing to do. It wasn't like cool or sexy to be like a drama major in 1987, you know, when I entered into college. It wasn't cool then. You know, it was like, you want to major in theater? Like, I not that all like the strange kids that sit out by the theater and smoke cigarettes and stuff? Yeah, they do that. But you want to know what? There's some real genuine people. You know, I met the realest people because they're not putting on any airs. Like, okay. When you're an athlete on campus, people expect you to act like an athlete. When you are, you know, just a, a preppy person on campus, you know, you have to fit that whole stereotype too, you know, you gotta have the little BMW, the, the Mercedes, you know, the preppy clothes and all the stuff like that. But the theater folks, they were concerned about art. That's what they were concerned about. Like, can you can you run these lines with me and do the thing that I need you to do? Like, I don't care if you're black, white, whatever. Like, I care about the art. And as long as you're as passionate about this art as I am, you're in,
0: that's
3: all. It's really simple, you're in. It doesn't doesn't require anything else. You know, you don't have to put on airs, you don't have to do all that stuff. And that's why it was cool for me to be in that space at that time Mm -hmm. in my life, because I had this football culture over here with nope. a Raven lunatic as a head coach. And luckily, <laughs> the guy that I posted on, on, on Twitter, Frank Leonard, the best dude ever. And you want to know what made Coach L the good dude? Because he was himself. That's all. Kinda, like, if you look at him, he's kind of goofy, right? But the thing of it is is that we never saw him as a goofy guy because He endeared himself to us like he would be honest about things. I know that there aren't a lot of black coaches here. I know that there aren't a lot of black students here. I get that. You know, I understand that. Okay. Just saying things like that meant that he saw us. He saw us and uh, and understood that there was a difference. You know, he didn't pretend. He's the same dude. He was fair to everybody. You know, especially during camp, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning, here he comes with a two by four and a 10 garbage can, you know, rattling around, you know, everybody's pissed off. But then you know what, he starts singing. He's like, wake up, wake up, wake up, you sleepyheads, after he's just banged on this thing for about (laughs) three minutes in the middle of your room, you know? And then you roll over and you look at him and you're like, all right.
1: (laughs) you're uh, You're like Paul Robeson. (laughs) Football <laughs>
3: player. Yeah, you know, I I try not to look at it. That is what it is. He was a far better singer than me. Oh, <laughs> totally. and you I haven't heard the
1: sing yet, though, Coach.
3: And you never will. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we we all can sing, but some people do it better than others, and I leave that to people that do it better than. Me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just being being open, being honest about who you are. And I mean, if you're not comfortable, I have some icebreakers, conversation starters, things that you can do with your team. We always talk about how big teams are. Okay. I only had two coaches. It was me and an assistant coach. So don't tell me that it's not possible Mm -hmm. to build relationships. It was two of us. Two. Okay. Kevin Bose, was a white guy, and me. Okay. Bose was just himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Whatever he brought to the table, that's what he brought to the table. But he was honest about things. Everything that we did or wanted to do, he was a part of. He's the one that started, hey coach, you know what? Maybe we should have you know team dinners on Thursday. Now because it's only two coaches, right? Um, as the head coach, I had to do everything. So like, that wasn't, I wasn't thinking about team dinner. I'm thinking about, oh, is the paperwork turned in?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: does the nurse have all the physicals? <laughs> you know, Oh shoot, oh shoot. We don't have a trainer, so now I have to take five people before a game. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. these, these are the things that are on my mind. Uniforms, inventory. Matter of fact, I was washing uniforms Yep. All the time you know, so it's like time. if you have eight coaches on your staff, you can break down each coach takes ten kids yep. that they're responsible for and help even even if that take your position group. Yep. Yep. start a book club. Yep. Everybody's reading the same book at the same time. You talking about being on the same page literally you can be on the same page Mm -hmm. because I don't care what offensive scheme you run, what defensive scheme you run. And we know this, don't we, Terrence? No matter what you call as players, like it's always whack to us. You should (laughs) have called something else. So (laughs) so, so, so (laughs) you're never on the same page with your coach anyway. (laughs) You're not. As a quarterback of the team, coach calls a play, you know, kid brings in a play. We're not running that. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> at some point we got to take the chance now.
3: We, ran, we, we ran this 30 times in practice has it ever worked why is he calling that now it's
2: on the game sheet oh
3: because yeah because he wants to see <laughs> well practice is when you see it and you saw it didn't work so why would you bring it into the game uh... when, you know I'm a firm believer in this as a coach my players dictate what's on that play sheet <laughs> They dictate what's on the play. If they're confident, calling the play. If they're not comfortable running the play, I'm not confident calling the play. It's really that simple. I've seen it in practice. That's a cluster. I'm not calling that play. Mm -hmm. We took a look at it. Nope, that's not us. Maybe we just won't run counter option this year. Fine, because we can't do it. Cool. Maybe we'll run toss. Okay, fine. <laughs> we can run toss. Great. We won't, we won't try to get fancy. Quarterback can't do the steps right. It's just he's not getting around. He's getting killed by the defensive end. So you know what? No kind of option this year. <laughs> we, won't, we won't do that. Not at all. But it's like really looking at your personnel and saying, you know what? Maybe we're not an RPO team. Because a lot of people are fitting into that box. Because everybody's doing it. RPO ain't that dope unless you got a quarterback that'll know how to read it and throw it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Let's just be honest. If you don't have a quarterback that can make the read and throw the ball appropriately, and if he's not a runner of the football, what are you running RPO anyway? Just because everybody else is doing it. You have to have a quarterback that's willing to run the football because if he's pulling it and the, and the pass is covered and he has to run and he's not running, um, you're going to be easily defensed that way. And you're going to be like, oh, I thought we were supposed to light up the scoreboard and everything like that. People want to see points. People don't want to see football. People want to see excitement. Football is about, it's like playing chess, is strategy. So if the score is zero-zero, that's a good thing in football. That means we got a good chess match going, right? Mm-hmm. But the fans are like, throw the ball, throw the ball. You know, mm-hmm. doggone Johnny can't throw the ball further than five, As a matter of fact, if you had to let me play Darren, who's the black quarterback, maybe we'd throw the football more. But you put pressure on me and forced me to play this clown. Now you're mad that we're not doing these things. You know how it goes, fellas. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. You know oh, how
2: oh, it? Yeah. Now, See, that's a whole other episode topic right
1: there. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: i tell you what. I mean, there's been games where, you know, parents were – more brutal than than any other student kid in the stands at all. You remember those, and it's just – it's insane. Um, oh, but, no, it's there's 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 so much power behind being able to step into a huddle and ask the entire offense or ask the entire defense, what do you guys want to run? You know, because, you know, we want to win too. We know what coaches got on the sheet. We know what we've been working on all week, but we also want to win. Right. You know, so we, we don't – we're not saying we want to do this because – just because we want to do it, we're saying it because we feel confident enough as a group. We look around and we say, if we run this play together, we know we we about to tear it up.
3: Right.
4: We about to tear it up if we run this play. So, you know, and I've been in a couple of situations where it was like that. And, you know, those have some of the greatest outcomes of of, of games where history was made then. But then I've also been on the flip side where it was like we all got in the huddle and was like, so, um, why are we running this play? It's not about to work. And then it doesn't. And everybody's upset everybody's like, we knew it wasn't going to work. We don't know why we still got forced yeah. to go through it. Now, don't get me wrong, coach. We're going to run through the wall for you because right. We, right. we trust you. We believe you that way. But we told you this wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: You know, right. you say that, you say that, Terrence, and, and, and it comes back down to, you know, coach, you might be on the same page. It comes back down to have you had the conversations with your kids and built the relationships with your kids that you can have the trust. Right. To step exactly. away from what you think you want to do, to let's talk about how you guys are feeling and what's going on, and and, and are we ready to do this? And, and again, it, it's you know, we I, I I'm dying to get to our last two questions with you. Our our, our two questions we asked over, but you know, I, I've written down in my notes. I bet ten times it's about relationship. It's it's about relationship. This whole thing yeah, so dang you know. hard.
4: It, it's, it's about not, being it's willing not, to,
2: to, to strip down your barriers and stop being afraid and just and talk and get to know folks. Yep. Well, it, 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 I'm not saying there's not baggage on both sides that, that you have to bring into it and deal with and, and get through. And that can be tough. Mm-hmm. It's about building relationships.
3: Yep. That's it. You know, most of the time, if you walk up to a, a young person, right, you know, depending upon what they're dealing with in their life or whatever, Nine times out of ten, if you approach a young person, they're not going to curse at you. They're not going to be like, F you. They're not going to say that. They're going to be like, hey, how you doing? Whatever. You know, that's what it is. And I think that people are, first of all, let's just be honest about this, too, that the older people get, the more afraid of young people they get.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Okay. Because they, oh, my God, those young people. Have you listened to the music they listen to? They're going to come kill us. That's an old way of thinking, man. These kids ain't thinking about any of that. Not at all. You know, not at all. So, you know, it, it, it's good, man. It, it, it's really good. And uh, you know, and it's take your time with it. You don't have to have it all figured out, you know? And that's another thing. It's like, you don't have to know everything. Like it's okay not to know something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot to, that you can learn from that. Like, okay, I don't know that, but I'm willing to learn it. You know, and, I, and that's it. And I know that sometimes, you know, when you're in a position of authority and you're in a position of power and and, the, um, and American society has said that, you know, that you are this, and then you find out that you're not, it's okay, it's not that serious. You know, don't don't go to the Golden Gate Bridge and jump off. You know, it's it's, it's cool. You, you, you're good, you know, you're not supposed to know, you're not black, <laughs> you know? Just think about that. There's certain things you're just not supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, you know, black people are, you know, we got some complex things that go on sometimes, you know? It's not always just as simple as it, as it looks, you know? But, you know, I wanted to go to college, I wanted to play football, I wanted to do those things, you know? I didn't necessarily set out to be an honorable student. I didn't set out to do that. But my mother dictated to me, which is something that people don't think that black parents talk to their kids about grades. Mm-hmm. Because why are they always struggling? We're struggling because what you're teaching doesn't connect with me because you're not doing it from a cultural place that connects with my identity culturally. That's why you talk about it your way and that way is just whack to me so I'm tuning out. So my mother is the reason why I am was an honor roll student, and Miss McCarthy. Miss McCarthy was my fifth grade teacher, and she was a white lady in kind of almost like small town North Carolina, Elizabeth City, North Carolina, famous for nothing, uh, <laughs> really famous for nothing. Um, so, but there was a there's a HBCU there called Elizabeth City State University. Um, And that's where my parents worked, my mom, uh, and eventually uh, the guy she met, uh, my stepdad, uh, you know, he was an athletic trainer for the school. My parents worked there, long story short, went to school. and uh, So I go to fifth fifth grade, you know, doing what fifth graders do, just enough, (laughs) you know? I'm doing the work, here you go, you know? You're not gonna say, oh, can I read ahead? can you give me more to do? No, I want to go and spit, spitballs at people. I want to fling paper at people. I want to hit people with paper <laughs> ball, you know, pieces of paper and stuff. Like, that's cool. I finished my work. So game on, <laughs> you know, I did what you want me to do. And she went on my report card, <laughs> Byron could be a straight A student if he applied himself. <laughs> and I never forgot that. And I was like, applied, like you're talking about, I'm doing the work that you want me to do. Well, instead of like throwing paper at your friends (laughs) and flinging, like, why don't you ask for like the next assignment? Why don't you ask for, and in my mind, I'm saying, why don't you just give it to me? Why I need to ask for it, (laughs) you know? But at the same time, that message stayed with me. And then my mother, you know, I loved football. My mother could care less. Like football was not her thing. I think my mother came to, my mother came to more games when I was in college than when I was in high school. And the stadium was like right down the street. <laughs> you know, you know, but you're going to drive three and a half hours <laughs> to come watch me play now when you could have just drove up the street and watched me play then. But yeah. she eventually came around. Long story short is, she was like, anything lower than a B on your report card, you're off the team.
1: I would have, have been in trouble.
3: You know, and, and that made me... You know, I loved football school like that. (laughs) Not really, but because of what she put in place and then thinking and remembering about what Miss McCarthy said, oh, my grades were good, you know, they were really good. You know, I was a member of the National Honor Society and everything like that. So it's like, not that I wanted to be a member of the National Honor Society, it just came because of what my mother put in place as parameters around this game. And it's not enough parents putting parameters around the game. They're putting the game before everything else. And that's wrong. You know, and coaches coach the game before everything else. And that's wrong. Oh, just stay eligible. For what? What is eligibility gonna mean if this kid plays four years in high school and they can't go to college anyway?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That that's that's a setup, <laughs> you know. So focus on academics too, you know. Be real with your players. Hey, listen. I'm not African-American, but check this out. According to statistics, this is what it is. These aren't my numbers, this is what the numbers say. And as a white coach, you can say that. That's honest. Listen, these are the numbers. Not my calculations, but these are the numbers. And if you don't start to get your academic house in order, you're not going to be a college football player, period. I don't care how many stars you got after your name, and that's a whole other subject for another time. But please have mm-hmm. me on to talk about that. <laughs> please, yeah. please. Oh. I want to talk about stars and 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 ratings and and these sites and stuff that people are putting putting up, living vicariously through kids. Come on, man, gotcha. what do you know about the game? You don't know anything about the game, but you're assigning stars. Who yeah. are who are you? Who, like. Yeah. What gave you the right to evaluate? Now, if these were like former, like high school or college coaches doing this, like Tom Lemming, cool. Oh, I'm not mad at him. And he used to play quarterback at Georgia Tech. He also puts out rankings and stuff like that. So, okay, you played college football, I get it, you know? Cool, but all this stuff, we got Pop Warner All Star games being played all across the country. Who gives a doggone about what a third grader can do? Yeah. Oh, a, he might. He might not even be a running back by the time he gets to high school. And then yep. he's gonna. And then he's gonna be crushed because you put so much emphasis on him being a running back that now that's all he can see himself doing. Dude, you're three hundred pounds. You're not playing running back yet.
0: <laughs> you're just not. Again, we've just identified people as a number, as a football player, and not a person.
3: Absolutely. Then I had kids on my team. Coach, I want to play tight end. We don't use a tight end. You're playing guard or tackle. We don't use a tight end here. Nope. We were a triple option team that didn't use a tight end. Period. Nope. Because we want to keep people spread out, even though we know our receivers ain't going to catch a cold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll throw it to them anyway just to get – the idea that we can throw all right cool we know he ain't gonna catch it but at least they know that he needs to be covered. okay that's all it was all smoke and mirrors for us honestly
0: <laughs> go ahead Todd well guys um, we're gonna we're gonna start or uh, stop part one right now and we're gonna ask uh, Byron if you can come back next Sunday night and uh, do part two
3: by all means by all means there's a lot of things there's so much to be done. You know, and so yeah. I really want to, I really want to get into that. Like I created questions that yeah. coaches can ask, you know, black and white candidates, you know, and here's the thing, if a black coach has never coached white students before, that's a learning curve for him too,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know? So therefore you need to know, is he comfortable doing that? Yeah. You know, is he comfortable reaching out and building relationships with his white players? Because that's something he's never had to do before. Right. Okay? It's the same thing you would ask a white coach. Have you ever coached black players before? And if so, where? And who was your head coach? Because I want to talk to the head coach. And and from that head coach, you can get the idea of, hmm, he has solid relationships with students. Or not a guy, you know? And it's okay. Asking coaches if you heard white players on the team using the N-word, whether black players were around or not. How would you intervene?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I want to know the steps. Not what you would say. What would you do? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Step no, by I step. Yeah. You know, these are the things that we have to start getting to. It's too yeah. late in the day for stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the same thing, you know, if black players are using the N-word, I mean, don't allow that in your culture. Nah. Don't allow them to disrespect each other in front of you. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Hold them accountable. Like I tell us all my players, listen. I coach in the urban area and that word was just like like before they, they unconsciously say, it, you know, mm-hmm. everything. And I'm like, "Dude, no. If you want to talk like that, you can't play here." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really that simple. If you want to play football for me, you got to unlearn that word. Okay? The man's parents gave him a name. If they wanted his name to be N-word, they had that option of calling him that on his birth certificate. Like, Like, they had the option. They could have called him that. But they didn't. So use his name or abbreviate his name or come up with some creative nickname, and let's go with that.
0: Mm-hmm. But
3: that's not gonna work for me at all. Yeah. And it shouldn't be working for you. And but, I mean, I understand why kids say it to each other, or oh, we've taken the word back and we've done this and we did this and we did that. It just don't sound right.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's why mm-hmm. I have a, pro- a problem with it. Yeah. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like anything cool. You know, it doesn't sound like anything that, like, you would want to be associated with. So you got to get rid of that. Yeah. And if you're a coach and you're allowing that to happen, you know, already I can already tell what kind of guy you are just based on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Todd. Yeah, well, again, thank you, guys. Byron, Terrence, um, this has been great. It's been fantastic. We will uh, continue with part two next week. In the okay. podcast, and look forward to having that conversation. As we leave, I just want to uh, go ahead, Aaron. You want to speak a little well, bit? I was going to say
2: if you've got some things, you know, look at what we've got left on the script, and if you've got thoughts on, okay, this is what we need to get into. So here's how we got to bring that up. But I mean, just let us know. Yeah, uh, and don't be afraid to give us input on that. Okay.
0: Yeah, and to our listeners out there who've listened to part one, uh, if you have a question you want to pose to Byron or Terrence. By all means, uh, send uh, Aaron Todd or yeah, I'm Todd, Aaron Scott or I, a, uh, a text message or or connect with us on Twitter. Let us know if you have questions, honestly, that you'd like to ask. And as you can tell, if you're if you're here now, you get straight up answers from these two men, and uh, we appreciate that. So as we as we close, uh, Byron Terrence, again, thank you. We'll talk to you again uh, next week, but I, I want to leave us again, with just this nugget from Mark Stevens, our guest last week, who talked about the things we can do right now, the five L's. Um, Number one, let's listen. Let's learn. Let's lament. Let's have empathy. Let's leverage who we are and the podium that we have to make change. And then lastly, let's just love and let's love each other. And uh, so have a great week, everyone, to our Iowa ADs. Again, good luck uh, starting your seasons this week. We will talk to you next week. And uh, be blessed, everyone.